last week we started a series called That You May Believe, and we started that series by, by wondering, have you ever seen something that was hard to explain? Have you ever seen something that, like, maybe you went camping out in the desert, and you're like, what is that in the sky? And you, like, went to get your cell phone out, but it was too late, it was gone. You're like, what was that? What did I just see? I used to live in the Pacific Northwest, and whenever we'd go hiking, I would be like, I hope that this is the day we see Bigfoot, because I know he's out there. I know he's out there. Everyone in the Northwest knows he's out there, and I just, we, just want, we never saw him, but we wanted to, right? My, my kids, I got four kids, my kids are always like, Dad, look at this thing on YouTube, can you believe this? And I'm like, no, because that's totally not real, what you're looking at, you know? That guy did not jump over a car going 75 miles an hour. I'm sorry, that didn't happen. It's a trick of the camera. But sometimes in life, we see things we can't it's hard to believe, and in this series, we're looking at seven miracles from the life of Jesus, and these miracles are not fiction, they're not fairy tales, there's no CGI or special effects involved, they're the real deal, things that Jesus did in time, in history, in, in, in the world, in his ministry, in his time on earth. And there are seven that the Apostle John outlines for us in his gospel, the book of John. And so last week we looked at the first one. This week we're going to look at the second one. So if you have your Bibles or your Bible app, you can open up to John chapter 4. And here's the thing about miracles. I think we all have an idea of what a miracle is in our heads, but to give you a definition, a miracle is a special work of God that reveals his power and his character so that we might believe in him. A miracle is a special work of God, and that's really important to understand because you you need to know that God is always at work in our lives. God's always doing stuff. The Bible says that God was active in creation, and he's also active every moment of the day, That, that the Bible says he holds together the universe by the power of his word. So God's always at work, and God's always at work in your life, even though we don't always recognize it. But a miracle is when God does something special, unique, that makes us go, wow, you know, like walking on water, raising someone from the dead. And these miracles reveal God's power, they reveal something of his character, and and they're meant to drive us to faith, to trust in him. And so this week, we're going to look at the second of Jesus' miracles, Jesus heals the official son. Now, that's found in in John chapter 2. And this miracle is an interesting miracle, and it's a miracle that I can relate with a bit because it's a story of a father who was in a desperate, desperate situation. I want you to think of a time in your life when you were in a desperate situation, when you would have done just about anything to fix the problem that you had. Recently, I was reading the biography of this guy named Marcus Samuelson. He's a chef. He's a celebrity chef. You might have seen him on like Food Network or something. And uh, Marcus Samuelson, he grew up in Sweden. He has a Swedish name, but he was born in Ethiopia. And when he was in Ethiopia um, years ago, he was two years old. It was him, his mom, and his four-year-old sister. And they lived in a village in Ethiopia. And Um, this village had no electricity, no running water, and no medicine. And that was a problem because mom, Marcus, and his sister all came down with tuberculosis. There was a a tuberculosis epidemic that swept through Ethiopia. And so Marcus's mom looked at her kids and herself, and she realized that they weren't going to get any better. And if they stayed in that village, they were going to die. And she knew that her only hope was to get her kids to the capital city of Ethiopia, Addis Ababa. And she's like, I just, I need to do all I can to get my kids to the capital city. There was a problem, though. She didn't have any money, and so the only way they were going to get there was to walk, and it was 75 miles. And so Marcus's mom strapped him on her back, 
took her four-year-old daughter, and they walked. They made the journey for 75 miles, all suffering with tuberculosis, getting worse and worse. And finally, they got to the capital city. They got to the hospital, and somehow, in a miracle of God, there was long lines all outside the hospital, but she got her kids inside the hospital, and all three of them entered the hospital. And sadly, Marcus's mom never came out alive, but the children did. She saved them. And she saved him in her desperation because as a mom, she, she would do anything, even give up her own life to save her children. And now, I don't know if any of us have had a story that dramatic, but I thought of that story because that's the, that's the desperation that's in this father, this official that we're going to read about in just a moment. So with that in mind, let's open up John chapter 2, and I want us to see how, Je- or John chapter 4, and I want us to see how Jesus speaks to us in our desperation and how he has the power to heal us. So in John chapter 4, verse 43, here's what we read. At the end of the two days, Jesus went on to Galilee. He himself said that a prophet is not honored in his own hometown, yet the Galileans welcomed him, for they had been in Jerusalem at the Passover celebration and had seen everything he did there. Okay, so let's just take a moment and talk about what's going on in John chapter 4. Right before this, Jesus has been in the area called Samaria, and uh, this is an area where people who were not Jewish people lived, and uh, the Samaritans lived there, and Jesus had taught there, and he had performed miracles, and he he did all kinds of stuff there, and lots of people believed in him. Lots of people realized that he wasn't just another teacher, another prophet, that he is more than that, and they began to trust in him. But after he'd been there for a couple days, Jesus went to Galilee. Galilee is the region where he is from. And Jesus says this curious thing. He says, a prophet is not honored in his own hometown. And here's what he meant by that. What he meant was that the people in Galilee, his own people, all they wanted from him were miracles. All they wanted to do was to see Jesus do cool things, you know? He turned water into wine. They're like, could you do that again? Because that would be, like, could you do that Friday night? That would be perfect, Jesus, you know? They wanted to see him perform miracles, and some of them had seen miracles that he performed during the Passover celebration. And so they all wanted to see see a show. They're different than the Samaritans. The Samaritans, who were outsiders from God's people, when they saw Jesus, they said, miracles are nice, but Jesus, we want what you have to really offer us hope and joy and and peace. And so in verse 46, it says, as he traveled through Galilee, he came to Cana where he had turned the water into wine. So if you were here last week, he's back in the same place where he turned the water into wine and everyone's ready for a show. What's Jesus going to do next? Well, verse 46, it says, there was a government official in nearby Capernaum whose son was very sick. When he heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went and begged Jesus to come to Capernaum to heal his son, who was about to die. This is a story of desperation. This is a story of a father who's setting aside all of his worries about how he might come across or how he might look, and he's asking for help for his son. It says there, this government official, he probably worked for Herod Antipas, who was the Tetrarch of Galilee, appointed by the Romans to be the Tetrarch, kind of like a governor in charge. He ruled from 4 BC to 39 AD, and this is somebody who works for him probably, a Jewish man. And he hears that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, and he heard the stories about Jesus. He heard that Jesus was a miracle worker, that he could heal diseases, that he could cast out demons, and he had a son who was close to death. 
And so he does his, takes his own journey. Maybe he, he walked, depending on where he was in these towns, he, he walked probably around 25 miles to get to Jesus. And he gets to Jesus and he asks for help. And then Jesus says this, Will you never believe in me unless you see miraculous signs and wonders? Will you never believe in me unless you see miraculous signs and wonders? Now, that statement is not so much aimed at this upset, heartbroken father. Instead, this comment is more aimed at the crowds who are following Jesus, the ones who want to see a sign, the people who want, you know, morph to film on their phones and to upload to TikTok or whatever, right? That's what's that's what, that's what he's, he's commenting on. These people who, they just want to see a, 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 something that they can tell their friends about. And Jesus says, what's it going to take for you to believe in me? What's it going to take for you to understand who I am? Do I need to perform miracles? Do I need to do a song and dance number for you? But the father's there, and the father doesn't have time to have a theological debate, right? He's not really interested in the how and the why and the what. He just wants his son to get better. The official pleaded, Lord, please come now before my little boy dies. Then Jesus told him, go back home. Your son will live. And the man believed what Jesus said and started home. It, it, this is pretty remarkable. Jesus says, you guys want to show? No show today, sorry. <laughs> We're dark today. Come back tomorrow. But he says, but I'm going to heal this boy. And he tells the man, go back home. Your son's going to be okay. And here's the remarkable thing. Here's the remarkable. I mean, imagine you're this guy. Imagine that this is your child or, or your best friend or your sister, or your brother who's ill. And you're, you're just... You know, you're just overwhelmed with sorrow, overwhelmed with grief, overwhelmed with worry. And Jesus says, hey, it's okay. It's okay. He's going to be okay. Go back home. Just trust. Just believe. Would you have that much faith? But this official did. It says the man believed, trusted what Jesus said, and he started home. While the man was on his way home, some of his servants met him with the news that his son was alive and well. He asked them, when had the boy begun to get better? And they replied, yesterday afternoon at one o'clock, his fever suddenly disappeared. I want you to understand something. So this man, is, he's, he's going back to his hometown. He's going back to his, his, his home. He's going to see, okay, I believe Jesus. And so I'm sure he cautiously believes. You know, belief is a funny thing. Faith is a funny thing. Some moments we can have a lot of faith. You know, I imagine if I was this father, I hope that when Jesus said, go in peace, your son will be well, I hope and pray that I would have had the faith to say, okay, Jesus, I believe you, but I can tell you this, the next morning as I was walking, I'd be like, wait, did that all happen? <laughs> did that really happen? Did I dream all that? Is my son really okay? You know, there's no, he, he couldn't like get a text message update or anything. There was no email or anything. He just had to wait and, and I'm sure doubt crept in. And he said, no, 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 Jesus, I trust him. I believe him. I know my son's going to be okay, but is he really? And so he probably had that seesaw battle in his mind about doubt. And then he, and then he runs into some of his servants and they say, he's all better now. He's all better. And what do they say? His fever suddenly disappeared. That's not, in other words, the servants are like, nothing miraculous happened. <laughs> His fever just disappeared. It went away from their perspective. I mean, it was like super unusual, totally unexpected, but they didn't see anything, you know, supernatural take place with their eyes. But the father realized something, didn't he? Verses 51 through 53, the father realized 
that that was the very time that Jesus had told him, your son will live. And he and his entire household believed in Jesus. What happened was the father connected all the dots and he realized this wasn't just some lucky, cosmic, wow, my son who was about to die magically got better. He realized that the very moment his son got better was the very moment that Jesus said, your son will live. And as a result, this man and his whole household trusted in Jesus, came to believe in Jesus. They began to believe in him that he was more than just a miracle worker. And so this family stands apart from all the crowds who just wanted to see a show. Jesus offered him something much better. And so as the Apostle John is thinking about this message and thinking about what happened, inspired by the Holy Spirit, he tells us this was the second miraculous sign Jesus did in Galilee after coming from Judea. This isn't the second miraculous sign that he's done his whole career, but it's the second one that he did in his hometown. Now, that's the miracle, all right? That's the miracle. An official son is ill, and Jesus heals him from afar. He heals him remotely. That's the miracle. What does that mean for you and me? What does that mean for you if you're here today and you're in a desperate situation? Well, what's it mean for you today if maybe you have your own illness that you're battling or your loved one has their own illness that they're battling? You have your own problems. I have my own problems. What does all of this mean for us today? There's a few things I want to point out for you that I want you to see, and I want you to understand why it's so important to come to Jesus in the midst of your desperation and your problems. And the first is this. Jesus can do miracles with only a word. That's the first thing I want you to see in this, in, this, uh, in this miracle story, that Jesus has the ability to do miracles with only his word. Now, there are a lot of ways that Jesus performs miracles, and we're going to see kind of a, a different, uh, 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 lots of examples in this series of how Jesus performed miracles. One time, there was a guy who was blind, and Jesus put his hands on the guy's eyes, and the guy could see again. Another time, there was a guy who was blind, and Jesus healed him by spitting in the guy's eyes. Now, if I got to choose which way I receive my miracle, I would probably take the former. But hey, at the end of the day, you were blind and you can see. So it was probably, it was all good, right? If you had to get spit in the eye to see, okay, I'll do it. Another time, uh, Jesus uh, healed somebody. He, uh, he, he healed, uh, he raised someone from the dead by, by, by touching the, the coffin, by touching the, the thing that the dead body was laying on and, and raised the person from the dead. So there's all kinds of different ways that Jesus heals people, but one of the most powerful demonstrations of his power is when Jesus heals by the power of his word. When he performs a miracle, not by touching, not by saying a magic chant, he doesn't whip out a Harry Potter wand or anything like that. He uses his words and the miracle takes place. That's an amazing demonstration of the power of God. And it's also meant to remind us of something. If you're familiar with the Bible, if you're familiar with the creation story in Genesis 1, how does God create the world? What does God, how, how does God go about creating the, the, the universe and the world in Genesis chapter 1? What does he do? He speaks. He speaks it into existence. There was nothing, and then God speaks, and there was something, Right? God said, let there be light, and there was light. Let there be large objects in the sky, and there they were. Let there be animals, and there were animals. God speaks creation into existence. It doesn't say that God goes to Home Depot, starts building creation, you know, molds it, puts it together. God speaks creation into existence because he's that powerful. All he has to do is say it, and it happens. 
That'd be nice. I'm a, like I said, I got four kids. I wish I could say it and it happens, but it doesn't, right? It doesn't at home. I say it and they ignore me, right? That's what, and I say it again and my daughter obeys, but my sons ignore me, right? That's what happens. But God, when God speaks, it happens. Boom, into, into existence, creation comes. And Jesus, when he speaks, miracles happen. Because Jesus is not just a prophet, not just a teacher, not just a miracle worker. He is God himself, God in the flesh. That's who Jesus is. And so when he speaks, miracles happen. Here's why that's so important for you and me. When you have a problem in your life, and it doesn't have to be illness, but whatever that problem is, why wouldn't you come to Jesus? Why wouldn't you come to him? And ask him for help. Because if he has the power to to heal somebody from miles away by the power of his word, he has whatever power you need in your life to bring healing, to bring hope, to bring transformation. Jesus has that power. And so understand that we're, we're foolish not to come to God, not to come to Jesus with our problems. Because he really can, he really will hear us and he really can help. Because Jesus can do miracles by the power of his word. The second thing that I want you to see is that Jesus does miracles for a purpose. Now, in this story, Jesus heals a boy. But here's the thing. Sometimes when we think about Jesus, we think that he must have just like, just always constantly done miracles all the time. And that's not exactly the case. He did lots of miracles. He did lots of things. But it wasn't like he healed every single person that ever needed healing that he ever interacted with. That's not what happens. In fact, next week, we're going to look at the story, the next story, which, which comes right after this in John chapter 5. We're going to see that Jesus heals one man, but there were other people who were sick in the same area who he didn't heal. And in fact, when you read the Bible, sometimes you, when you read the Bible, you might think, man, there were just miracles going on all the time. There were constantly miracles. You know, if I was Moses, I would wake up every day and see a miracle. Or if I was David, every day I'd wake up and see a miracle. That's not really the case. There are large times in the Bible, there are years and decades and hundreds of years when nothing particularly miraculous takes place. And so we have to understand that miracles are probably not as frequent in the Bible as we sometimes think they are. And whenever there's a miracle performed, there's always a purpose. We looked at this last week, and this is, this is what the Apostle John says, that, that every miracle that Jesus performed had a specific purpose. So let's go back again. This is kind of our theme verse for the series. The disciples saw Jesus do many other miraculous signs in addition to the ones recorded in this book. But these, the seven miracles that we read about, were written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, God's chosen one, the Savior of the world, the Son of God, God himself, and that by believing in him, you will have life by the power of his name. You see, Jesus performed miracles not to entertain people, not to get a big crowd of followers. He performed miracles and he healed people so that they would believe in him, that they would believe in his name. That's why Jesus performed miracles. That's what happened in this official's life. Jesus performs the miracle and so this man and his whole household believe. The same thing is true of the apostles. Sometimes in the book of Acts, you see the apostles, Peter and Paul and others, they perform miracles. But they perform miracles with a purpose to show the world that the good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel, is true, it's real, it's powerful, and that Jesus is indeed the Son of God who died and was raised from the dead. And so it's really important you understand that 
God performs miracles for a purpose because there, there's probably going to come a time in your life, there's probably been a time in your life, where you've asked God for a miracle and he hasn't given you the answer you wanted, right? So what do we do with that? How do we understand that? Well, we have to understand that God has different purposes and different ideas of what he wants to see in our lives. And sometimes God's desire is not always to provide a miracle. Sometimes God has got another purpose. Hebrews 12 says it this way. For our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years, doing the best they knew how. But God's discipline is always good for us so that we might share in his holiness. Here's the point of that passage. Here's what this passage is saying. It's saying that hopefully when you were a kid, you had a good mom and a good dad, and your good parents, they disciplined you. They made you do hard things, right? And they, they made you do those hard things, not because they were mean, not because they, liked, they didn't want you to suffer. They weren't like, eat that cauliflower because I want to see you gag. That wasn't the point. They made you do hard things in order to grow you and mature you. Hopefully, you had a a parent like that. And I know that's a big if, but hopefully you had a dad like that. But whether you did or didn't, there is a father in heaven. There is God himself who has greater purposes for our lives than getting us out of every jam, who has greater desires for what he wants to see in us and in our hearts and in our lives. And as a result, sometimes God isn't going to provide us the miracle we want because God's God's plan for us is always good. God's discipline is always good for us. God's plan for us is that we might share in his holiness. You see, if you're a follower of Christ, if you're a Christian, God's great desire is for you to be holy, and to be holy means that you live like Jesus. So sometimes, more than giving you the miracle you want in the moment you want it, God's plan is to to make you more like Jesus. That means you're going to have to go through those hard times, go through those suffering, go through that pain. And so whatever desperate situation you look, like, look at in your life, you have to understand that God may not take you out of it because God wants you to grow in your holiness. But let's just talk about divine healing for just a moment. What you need to understand about divine healing is that God has the power to heal. It's not like God's, God gave up the power to heal at the end of the Bible. It's still here today. God has the power to heal, but God may not always choose to heal. If God if you pray for healing or you pray for healing for someone you love and God chooses not to heal, it doesn't mean that God doesn't love you. It doesn't mean that God lacks power. It means that God's got a different purpose for your life. And so when you come to God and you say, God, I, I, would you heal me? Would you heal my child? Would you heal my friend? Would you heal my small group leader? Whomever it is, there's three things that God might say. God might say yes and grant you that healing. And then we all rejoice. God might say No. Or God might say, wait. And here's the thing about wait. Wait's a tough one. I'm not going to lie. Wait's really hard. But if you're a Christian, the answer to asking God to heal any and every illness, if you're a Christian, if the answer's not yes, it's always wait. Because we know that in Christ, when we die and in heaven, God will heal us of every disease, every illness, and we'll never experience them again. And so we need to kind of change our thinking a little bit, and we need to say, okay, if God doesn't heal me today on earth, that's okay. He's got bigger plans for me. He wants to see me become more holy. And not only that, but God will one day heal me and restore me in heaven, and I'll never have to deal with that again. We've got a really powerful example of that, and um, we have that video ready to go. 
great. Uh, we have a, a video with Pastor Ross Anderson talking about the story of his late wife, Nancy, and just how she wrestled with these things um, with God. So I just want to share that story with you. If you're a follower of Jesus, that's where we need to get to, to that place where we say, okay, God, I trust you. Wherever you lead me, wherever you take me, I trust you. And not just with my own life, I trust you with the ones I love. And that leads us to our final point today. Jesus invites us to ask for miracles. I want you to see that we have a God who loves us, a God who's on our side, a God who cares for you deeply and totally, and he is a God who is ready to hear your prayers and and wants you to ask him to do big things in your life, miraculous things in your life. Let's look again at just sort of this, this verse, verse 47, when he... The official, the official heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee. He went, probably 25 miles, and begged Jesus to come to Capernaum to heal his son who was about to die. If you've got a problem in your life, if you've got a desperate situation in your life, it doesn't have to be sickness or illness, but it could include that, bring it to Jesus. Bring it to him. Say, God, would you save? God, would you rescue? God, would you heal? God, would you, would you bind up this brokenness? God, would you save this relationship? God, would you heal this family? God, would you heal me? Whatever it is, ask Jesus to do it. Come boldly to God. Come around other Christians, friends, mentors, and say, would you pray with me and pray together? Because here's what happens. When we we boldly come to God, we ask in faith, and much like this, this official, no matter what God says to us, if we have ears to hear and a heart that's ready to trust God, then we can grow in our faith no matter that response. And then we learn to submit to God's will. And that's really the message here. So, so let me just end here today. You know, if, if you've got something in your life where you need God to come in and to bring healing or to do a miracle, we want to pray for you. I know a lot of, there's a lot of people here who want to pray for you. After the service today, we'll have people up front that would love to, to pray with you and uh, just ask for God to do a miraculous work. And again, we don't know how God will answer, and we don't know what God will do and what that will look like, but we know that God is here, he's with us, he's on our side, and he wants to save us. And we know that because he's saved us through the cross of Jesus Christ. And if you trust in him for the forgiveness of your sins, then you've got to trust in him for every other part of your life. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you, Jesus, that you are here and that you care about us in the midst of our lives, in the midst of our struggles, in the midst of our trials. God, I just pray for anyone right now who needs healing. Lord, I just know in this room, I can, even, I can just see it on faces, Lord, that there is hurt in this room. There's even fear, maybe, uh, certainly concern and desperation, God. And I pray that your Holy Spirit would come to bring comfort and healing And Lord, we ask that you would do the miraculous among us, that you might get the glory, that your name might be lifted up, and that more people would come to worship you. God, we love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.